Good afternoon, this is Ollie Fishman, and welcome back to part two of our uh, podcast on uh, trauma. And I'd like to pick off where we left off last time. And what I started to discuss last time was some of the secondary findings in pelvic trauma. And that's one of the big advantages, of course, we've always known with CT. So secondary findings might be soft tissue or muscle injury, pelvic hematomas, bladder injury, and colon injury. There's no doubt that the uh, frequency and type of secondary finding is often dependent on the initial type of trauma. So a stab wound or an MVA or a gunshot wound obviously have different types of injury, and so it's not surprising that the type of um, extra uh, skeletal injury and the frequency will, of course, be related to the type of injury that indeed is present. One thing, of course, that's critical regardless of the type of injury is technique. And so, for example, when we look at the bladder, it's not sufficient to give IV contrast as part of a regular CT trauma study and hope the bladder will opacify well. You need to do CT cystoscopy, which means we put 30 cc's of Omnipake 350 and 500 cc's of saline. We then drip this uh, combination into the bladder by gravity. The bladder is well distended. There have been multiple articles that show if you only wait see contrast extravasation from the bladder by giving IV contrast, you're going to miss 50 to 70% of bladder injuries. This way we distend the bladder, MPR, 3D, beautiful visualizations, and you have your answer. Or in this case, pelvic trauma, left pelvic sidewall, and nicely you see the bladder is displaced to the right. There's a hematoma in the pelvis, but there's no bladder injury. Or this case with fractures of the superior and inferior pubic rami, diastasis of the symphysis, diastasis of the right SI joint, you very nicely see the extensive fractures, the prevesical hematoma, but you do not see evidence of any bladder injury. Now, another important thing in looking at trauma of the pelvis is we pay attention to the femur and acetabulum and iliac wings, but you get a beautiful look at the sacrum. And it's important to look carefully at the sacrum and sacral foramina. If you tilt the volume data set, you get a spectacular end-on view. Look at S1 through S4 here with a relatively transparent uh, volume rendering. Look how nicely you see the trabeculations. And so whether it's for stress fracture or classic trauma with fracture, it's easy as in this case to see on the right side the S1 through S4 disruption by the minimally displaced fracture. Or in this patient, very subtle fracture. Look at the right side, S1-S2 level. You can see the subtle step-off on axial images. It's shown better on coronal display. I mentioned stress fractures, and here's just a good example. You see that sclerotic line in the right side of the uh, sacrum at about S1-S2. You'll notice on the initial image, it's very hard to see. It's only when I cut into the volume and rotate the pelvis 30 or so degrees, you get these beautiful on-fos views. And you can see that very nicely. I'll just change projections. And here's one more rendering very nicely, that stress line. And remember, this appearance is also something we typically had described with nuclear medicine studies, where you have bilateral stress fractures and get that H-shape appearance. Or finally, this example very nicely showed you the fracture of the uh, sacrum, but also showed you the fracture of the pubic rami, particularly inferiorly. So again, when you're looking at pelvic trauma, you have to look at everything. The sacrum may not be suggested on the uh, requisition, but you've got to look there. Those fractures are often missed. And you have to look at the bladder and, of course, soft tissues, be it muscle or vessels. We'll speak a bit later about the role of CT angiography in pelvic trauma, 
or any trauma and that again just simply expands what we can do now other areas let me just touch a little bit on upper extremity trauma typically plain films will suffice we do CT when the fractures are very complicated when there's fractures or dislocations when it's uncertain from the plain films exactly what's going on or where you're worried about vascular injury as well and you can get a two for one or so here's some examples dislocation of the shoulder reduced look at the fracture of the glenoid inferiorly that piece of bone is avulsed that will need surgical repair or the patient will have continued dislocations or this example with a gunshot wound look how that bullet's gone directly through the body of the scapula it's not affected the glenoid or the uh, joint space but again nice visualization of the injury or in this pediatric patient look at the epiphyseal line you can see the fracture goes through the epiphysis but it's really best seen on the coronal view we really can appreciate the slippage along the epiphyseal plate or on the 3d views just very nice where you can see that the, the proximal aspect of the humerus is displaced superior laterally very nicely shown here again in terms of trauma fractures sometimes we'll do ct to make sure there's no underlying bone lesion as was the case here and you nicely can see the fracture the fragmentation you see it in coronal view you see it in a 3d lateral perspective and a 3d ap perspective so again i use the 3d's routinely but i also supplement that with the multiplanar again the concept axial multiplanar 3d are all part of a comprehensive evaluation let's move down now to the elbow and in the elbow you can see very nicely in this example this common fracture and fracture dislocation we do elbow CT more frequently now particularly in younger patients with these more complicated injuries particularly when there's dislocation present you can see a positive posterior fat pad again will orient and rotate so you can see the dislocation of the humerus relative to the ulna you can see the fragments that are present Again, a quick CT scan in five seconds gives you all the information. These patients are hard to position. It's hard to get the right visualization, but look how easy it is, just like everything else we do. Simply rotate the data set, define orientation of radius and ulna and humerus. And here's just one more perspective of that. As in other areas, in fractures or suspected fractures where plane films are determinant, Here's a subtle fracture of the radial head with a slight step off, nicely shown on the 3D reconstructions. Difficult to be positive as to the nature of that fracture on routine x-rays. And here it is, one more projection, nicely showing you that essentially at best minimally displaced fracture line. And here it is again, showing you some of the different renderings we could use, a very opaque volume rendering and a more transparent volume rendering. In this case, the transparent volume rendering shows the fracture a whole lot better. In patients with repeated traumas, we can look at the elbow. So in this picture, and this is the guy I think you ought to trade his $10 million contract because look at those fragments in the joint space. That's what happens when you throw a 90 mi 99 mile an hour fastball for just a few too many years. But very nicely seen on CT, you might use arthroscopy to go in and remove those fragments, but this patient has a lot of disease in the elbow very nicely shown on this uh, volume acquisition as we move toward the wrist fractures common fractures the uh, ability to visualize the potential for dislocation 
the ability to get a very nice view of even the most complicated injuries are the situations we typically use CT and here's just a couple more renderings you can see the soft tissue injury is also seen air in the soft tissues subcutaneous injury and edema and then of course disruption of the scaphoid and when you're looking very nicely for dislocations rotating the images through many planes and many perspectives gives you truly the optimal visualization again in the old days with four slice or less it was very hard to get single views of the wrist because once you did reconstructions uh, the image quality was very poor there was too much partial averaging this was the issue with small part imaging at 16 and surely at 64 this issue does not exist let's then move down to the lower extremity and we do a lot of lower extremity trauma the two big areas really are in the knee for tibial plateau and in the ankle for calcaneus if we look distally first Here's a nice example of a talus fracture, comminuted, the orientation of the various tarsal bones and metatarsals, the ability to define the extent of the injury, to rotate, to choose many different planes for defining the true extent of the Taylor injury is indeed very critical. And we do spend lots of time with these patients, we'll often disarticulate several bones to get a better visualization to look at extent of involvement. Many surgeons, of course, will not do surgery on the calcaneus unless they have 3D mapping. That area will be a topic of another discussion. Let's then move down to the spine, and let me just talk a little bit about the spine as being a role model for many of the things we're going to do with uh, trauma in the ER in the future. One of the things we recognize is patients have often got plain films, and then they got CTs, and then they got plain films. Well, what happens is, why don't you just do a CT first? CT can answer all of the questions. Now, if a patient has a very minor injury, you don't want to do a CT scan. But if the mechanism of injury is sufficient, an MVA, a high-speed car accident, for example, then maybe just go to CT. It takes a few seconds. You get all the information, and you decrease the radiation dose, in a sense, if you eliminate the plane films. So this is really a paradigm shift. And with this paradigm shift, I think that's what we're going to pick up on the next talk. Thank you very much.